You're listening to the Revenue Playbook. Join top sales reps and leaders as they share exactly what it takes to go from cold to close. Hello, daily sales audience. I am back for another LinkedIn live interview today, and we are just bringing the value because today I'm going to be talking to Michelle, the VP of Revenue over at Dooley, and we're going to be talking about a topic that I think a lot of people are going to be interested in, and that is how do you transition from an account executive or other sales-related role into a management role, into a sales management role, and there is so much controversy around this topic there are so many questions and challenges and what do you do how do you do it so who better than michelle with her incredible experience obviously current vp of revenue for Dooley, to really shed some light on the best way to do this michelle thank you so much for joining us for your second daily sales linkedin live thanks for having me i'm excited this is a hot topic it is it is and we we did a poll uh today asking the question that I know a lot of salespeople ask, and as I see this all over LinkedIn, you know, do top performers make good sales managers? And it was really interesting. I'd love to hear your thoughts, but the poll results for anyone who hasn't seen it today, we had 16% that said yes, 23% said no, but the biggest chunk was 61% saying sometimes, uh, which I think is probably a fair point. What are some of your experiences with that, Michelle, through your sales career? Yes, I lean more towards the sometimes. It depends on the individual. And you look for a number of different traits in an AE that would be managing account executives that were potentially their peers or their same the same level. And then why they're being promoted into an inside sales manager. But it is really hard to look for those traits when they're a top performer, they're crushing their goals. And it's typically they raise their hand and they think the right path is inside sales manager. But you have to unpack why they think that. And for me as a leader, I will look for their coaching capabilities, um, not necessarily being a super rep, but how are they going to coach their teammates? How are they going to have those really difficult conversations that come up? Um, and then data, how do they look at and manage their own pipeline and their day to day? And the top reps are sometimes in their own silo. So it's hard to identify what they're doing um, that really sets them apart and how they can make that repeatable across the team. But it's not easy. And I've seen a lot of people fail at it, too. Yeah, no, me too. And I think we'll unpack the traits of top performing salespeople and the traits of sort of top performing effective sales leaders. But one thing I completely forgot to do is obviously a big hello to everyone who's watching this now. Uh, please do say hello in the chat box. Let us know where in the world you are. And relevant to the topic we're talking about, let us know what position you are currently in. Maybe you're an SDR, maybe you're an AE or any other variation of those roles. Maybe you're a sales manager at the minute. Were you or are you a sales manager that you know, transitioned from an AE or a sales role into that. Let us know. Let's get the chat going. And any questions you've got, pop them into the chat box. We'll try and answer as many as we can throughout the session. We're keen to uh, get as many of you guys involved as possible and really help unwrap this topic. So let's probably start at the best point, Michelle. What are some of the traits of top performing salespeople in your experience? Great question. So the my top sales reps have 
an understanding of their sales math. So what they need to do to build pipeline. So that's from top of funnel, whether you're following up on inbound leads or doing outbound prospecting, you should know what your day looks like, your week and your month and break it into how much pipeline you need to build in order to close deals. So my top reps don't necessarily blow their metrics out of the water because they understand what is needed from a messaging standpoint, how they're doing their demos could be different from some of the other reps on the team. And they think about the deals in a more strategic way as, a, as compared to some other reps who just will discount to get a deal in or, you know, won't ask the right paying questions. So the deal is, you know, yeah. a lot longer. Um, but my top reps will think about it as this is how I'm going to work this deal to close. And they have a really, un really great understanding of who their influencers are, who their champions are, their buying process. So when they come to a pipeline review, it's a no brainer. They know exactly what they need to do. Um, and more importantly, they ask for help when they need help. And we will, you know, strategically talk about how we can get this deal across the line. Um, and they're coachable. So they're coachable and they're leaders on the team. They like to collaborate, which is really important for most people in a remote world. Now everyone's on Slack and, um, not sharing what's working, what's not working can hurt the team. But my top reps will always say like this, this messaging is working. I'm crushing it here. Or they're also willing to take other new reps under their wing to help them be successful as they're onboarding. So I think it's really coachability idea of how you map out your sales math, how you work a deal um, and asking those really, really tough questions that most people are uncomfortable asking just getting getting right to the point on those sales calls. So here's the interesting thing, Michelle. Everything you've described in some way could be interpreted as qualities of a good leader. These are all qualities of someone who could make a really good leader. The ability to be coached and supported, the ability to look strategically at the bigger picture and, and not too focused. So clearly there must be a lot of transferable skills. Before we maybe look at the good skills and how they transfer, where do you see where those skills then maybe don't transfer? Or what are some of the things you see that top performers sometimes possess that maybe hinder them from being effective as a leader? They don't want to give up the control. <laughs> so they get on the sales calls of their reps and they end up running the sales calls. Um, they want to run the deal the way that they would run the deal and not let the rep figure it out themselves. Um, and one also one key thing is they might not necessarily be able to look at areas across multiple different reps where they need improvement and coaching opportunities because everyone's different, right? Mm -hmm. And they're usually top performers are typically focused on, you know, what is directly in front of them, not on the across the team. So what I mean by that is you have a, a rep that has really high demos, but the conversion rate is really low. So they're there's something happening on those sales calls. Then you have the opposite where a rep is um, doing a really great job with outbound prospecting, but they're stuck on booking the demo. So having the ability to take a look at all these different personalities and then be able to coach those personalities is really hard. Um, and then giving up the control of that. So most people don't necessarily want to um, identify those key areas of improvement. They're just going to say, well, this is the way I did it. 
and this is how you should, this is how you should do it. Um, and then they become really just a super rep and we're just paying you to be an inside sales manager, but you're running every single one of your reps calls and you're taking every call and you're doing all of the qualification and the negotiation where the reps will then start to use you as a crutch and say, well, I can't take this call because my manager can't be on the call. Um, so you have to be able to take a step back, let them run, identify those coaching opportunities so they can start to take the calls themselves. Um, I've seen some of my top reps have that problem of like not being able to take that step back and give a longer leash. And they're not used to um, having someone else like dictate to them how they think that they should run the deal. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Taking your ego out of the equation and being able to separate from selling must be tricky. I think probably what's worth mentioning, because we've got some really good questions to run through, but what's probably worth mentioning and maybe discussing very quickly is why isn't it a bad thing if you're a successful top performing salesperson? Why isn't it a bad thing to progress? You don't, that, that isn't like the ultimate goal for everyone. That, that isn't like the position of success why is it totally acceptable and fine for a top performer to maybe stay in that role or you know yeah. maybe other roles within the sales structure why do you think a lot of people think that you know management is the path and that's you know the one place they need to get to um and what do you think could help them maybe determine themselves whether it's right for them and and come to terms with maybe this being just as good or rewarding as a as an opportunity yeah, I've had a lot of heart-to-hearts with individuals that think because they're crushing it for six months that they're ready to manage a team of eight sales reps. Um, and for me, is understanding why they want to be in a leadership role first. So unpack that. Why do they like the idea of having to coach peers and not you don't actually have control over what they're doing? You have more control over your specific metrics and your deals. But when you have a much larger number and you don't have control over that, how are you going to handle it? How are you going to handle performance discussions, those difficult conversations? Um, and taking a look at, I'm very data-driven, so taking a look at the data that's moving the needle, how do you think about that? And that is something most people on the rep level don't even they, they don't pay attention to so there's going to be a pretty big shift in in their day-to-day um i've had sales reps absolutely crush it and have no desire to be a sales manager they meet with you know their leader or, or me and they understand what their career path is so is it um you know try and be in partnerships or move to the enterprise or um, do something completely different within the organization, go to account management. So it's really important to sit down with your leader or, you know, head of people to understand what the career path is. Once you start to, to crush it, you also don't necessarily need that a major step into another role. You can continue to, you know, impact your wallet positively and, you know, become go to President's Club every year become number one rep every single year and always set new goals for yourself. If management isn't where you want to go, figure out what else motivates you. I like that. I like that. And maybe sort of a good follow on topic would be 
what are some of the negatives to management? So, I mean, a lot of people <laughs> look at management and leadership as the, this big, glorious position. Oh, I'm a manager, I'm a leader. I'm so proud and I'm so successful. Let's look at the negatives because leadership isn't all it is, uh, you know, sometimes yeah. told to be. So from your experience, especially, what are some of the, the negatives? What are some of the downfalls of being a, a sales leader? You have a lot more pressure and responsibilities of things that aren't directly within your control. For example... I have a rep on my team who hasn't followed up with their leads in five days. So what do I do? I'm like, I have to go in there and follow up on their leads. And that, that's another issue. So then I have to have that performance conversation. And those aren't easy. No one wants to do that. But um, you have to roll up a much larger number. And you have to have areas of um, coaching opportunities for specific reps where they might not want to be coached and you can't help them, but you want to help them. And um, there's nothing really you can do for someone that's not, doesn't want to be coached. And that's probably the hardest thing for me because it impacts my success when you're not successful as well. So I want to do everything I can for you to be successful. But if you're not willing to take it, it's like, you know, you're trying to make the varsity basketball team and you just need to go to the to practice a few more extra times and go to the tryouts, but you skip tryouts. It's like, well, then you're not going to get on the varsity basketball team. You have to be able to put the work and effort in to get there. And if people don't want to do it, then it's like, that's the hardest part for me. Why, why don't you? Um, So you have a lot of other area, a lot of other things that you have to consider and be aware of and um, the number. It always goes up to the number too. So, bigger numbers, lots of pressure, more plates to spin, more balls to juggle. You know, you take on a lot when you become a leader. And kind of back to what you were talking about before, Michelle, you kind of have to be able to take yourself out of the equation. You know, mm-hmm. to be an effective leader, you, you lead through your team. You have to be there to sort of guide them, support them, and. I think it takes a unique person to be able to do that, to enjoy it, to be able to give it the right amount of energy and service that it requires. But it's definitely not easy as maybe some managers probably make it look. And probably there are salespeople that sit in their office and their sales managers sat on their desk doing nothing all day. And they think that looks like an easy job. Exactly. (laughs) So we're probably talking about good sales managers and good sales leaders in this conversation, maybe not some of the uh, the negative ones. And actually that's probably a good... um, sort of next question what are the traits of good leaders what are the the qualities and traits that really good sales leaders possess and and that helps them become a successful leader i think listening is number one i think it's really important for you to listen to your team um listen to sales calls so you can identify you know what's working what's not working that's not necessarily just for the rep but it's also for giving feedback to product and marketing and you should always be learning um, how to improve the process, improve discovery, um, willing to roll up your sleeves and hop on a call if you need to reach out to that prospect to move a deal forward um, and want and have that winning mentality. It's not necessarily always on the reps, it's on you as the leader when I think of a leader as a coach too. So um you need to be able to identify how to coach the best way to coach. Everyone's completely different. 
um, especially in sales. So every you can't just roll out the same coaching opportunity men, mentality or methodology to your team. And that goes back to listening, learning, coaching. Um, I think empathy too is important. And that took a little bit of time for me to, to learn over the years because uh, you kind of want to be a hard ass because you have a really big number and you don't understand why people don't do it the way that you want to do it. So uh, taking a step back and having a little bit of empathy because we are all humans. um, That's really important. There's a lot of irony in this, Michelle, and there's probably good reason for it. But again, everything you're describing and the qualities of a good salesperson, you know, we say, what do good salespeople need to have? They need to be able to listen. They need to be able to empathize. You know, these are all the qualities that you will probably have if you are successful in sales. Um, So there is a lot of stuff that translate across that, that you'll be using for your customers and prospects now that you will then essentially use on your mm-hmm. team listen to them talk to them empathize with them build those relationships i guess some of the friction happens in those sort of other areas that we don't often think about which as you said is the like the controlling part when you're a salesperson it's your little business you, you are in charge of your pipeline you control everything you do it your way you figure out your systems and then suddenly you've got five, 10, 25, 50, however many of these different systems happening and you've got to try and understand. And that just yeah. in itself can create such a headache. And I think that's what a lot of salespeople maybe don't think about when they're thinking about becoming a leader. They think they're just going to take what they do now and everyone's going to do it the same way. And exactly. It's never going to be like that. I think it was easier to do it in person too because I was right there and I had you know, 30 reps in front of me. So I could see that this person's on, he's been on YouTube for like the last 35 minutes. What is going on over there? Or this one's been out to lunch for like, I don't even think I've seen them for days. Like what, what's happening? It's harder in a remote world to have that longer leash and have the trust in your team, but also, um, you know, set the right expectations and boundaries. So you, you have to, you can't have the control that you can, maybe manage better in person as opposed to over Slack. And um, that's difficult, especially for a first time manager. Yeah. I think we should talk a little bit more about um, remote managing. Uh, obviously mm-hmm. remote has been a huge thing. We've had a great question from Matthew though. And to everyone who's watching this, please do uh, drop your questions in. Let us know if you are a sales leader or if you would like to be a sales leader one day, you know, let's get some good conversation going. But Matthew's got a really Good question. I, I really like this. What certifications or training, in addition to past sales experience, would you recommend a new sales manager to have? And I think that's really interesting. Michelle, it'd be great to understand what your thoughts are, not just on certifications and, and training, but what things maybe new or aspiring sales managers, what resources they can consume to help with that sort of journey and transition. Yeah, that's a good question. I think having an idea of what sales methodology you would want to roll out to your team or be passionate about a specific sales methodology that you want to roll out to your team. Um, and, you know, I've done medic, I've done Sandler. I like John Barrows. Um, and if I, I basically take a little bit of everything that I've learned over the years in all of those certifications and trainings and have built up my own methodology that I hold pretty close to the heart. And it's a blend of like conversational sales and understanding the pain and and setting those firm next steps. But I have the ability to say, well, this is the medic training that I've done. And this is the Sandler certification that I have. And um, having a blend of something, but also being passionate about what you've learned in the past. So it's 
my reps don't care if I I've done medic 12 times, but it's what I'm teaching them over time for, so that they can get better. Um, and having the confidence and rolling that out to the team. Do you think salespeople that aspire to one day be a sales leader, maybe they genuinely believe that they would be good at it and enjoy it. Do you think they should, even whilst they're in those roles, start to learn those things? Maybe if they're not being taught a methodology, go and learn a methodology. Absolutely. Yes, you can read gap selling. You can read um, sales books. I think that a lot of my top reps take the time to always improve their craft on the weekends or, you know, after hours they read books or they listen to podcasts. So you're always ahead of the game. You're staying sharp with what's working, what's not working with other organizations are doing. Um, so you can always come to the table with a new idea or something else to experiment with. And it's just not the same thing because what's hard is if it's not working, then you should try, you should always have a solution to fix it or at least try to fix it as opposed to, you know, staying status quo um, and and the ability to say, well, I, the, I just read this book. I have this certification. Let's try this stuff. Um, it's, it's easier to have those conversations and also get the team behind you when you can point to um, some past experiences or something you're passionate about or a podcast or a book. I like that. Bring something to the table. I guess the next two training and certifications that you might want to bring across, what things could you do? If I'm an AE, maybe I think, you know, end of this year or next year, or I'm looking at making that transition. What other things could I do in my role during the day to day that might help with that case that I maybe I'm going to take it to you, Michelle, at the end of the year and say, Michelle, I think I'm ready. You know, what things can I do to increase the chance of you saying yes? think you're ready let's let's do this yes i think building that case for yourself over time so for example um i have a rep that took it upon himself to create sequences for the team to try a b test the sequences and then also a rep that took it upon himself to start film reviews with the team and find calls that the team will listen to um that was something that i do but he raised his hand and said, hey, listen, I'll take this off your plate. I would love to actually start working on discovery training with the team. Go for it. That's amazing. Also, yeah. if you have a call recording software that you can go in and listen to calls, listen to calls with the top reps, listen to calls with, you know, the mediocre reps and the low performing reps and toss some comments in there, some best practices that shows that you're invested in your team improving but also you're giving advice and they might not like the advice they might love the advice but it gives you an idea of how to articulate um, best practices and trainings that might be uncomfortable long term when you're in a management role i agree do you think there's a time when you're ready like how would a salesperson if i'm an ae or any sales position how would i know that i was actually ready what do you look for that you think okay yes this person looks ready and, and maybe what are the things that make you think this person isn't ready? Um, I'll start with ready. So taking on projects that I didn't necessarily ask for you to take on, or maybe I do. And it's because I don't have the bandwidth or I'm testing you to see if you can handle your daily metrics, your weekly metrics, overachieving your goal, but also managing a couple of other different projects at the same time. So juggling a lot at once, but also your performance does not take a hit. Um, 
And I don't necessarily want to ask you to do it. I want you to identify those areas on your own. So for example, the team's kind of struggling with discovery. Like, yeah, let's do some discovery workshops. I'll take that. Um, when you're not ready. So we have a bunch of new hires onboarding. You never raise your hand to help someone. Um, you are in the zone 90% of the day. So someone's slacking you a question on how to, hey, can you help me put this, this proposal together? And you don't get to them for like three days because you don't want to be bothered. You can't handle managing your own book of business and also taking the time out of your day to help someone else. Um, you're just not ready. And that's okay. That That is the rep that is going to be the top rep who's just going to either go enterprise or AM motion or try something new, like a partnership role, something like that. That's totally cool too. Yeah. But think about it. That's going to be a reality of your day. I mean, if you look at my calendar, my Slack, I probably have 300 Slacks right now and um, back to backs, but you have to be able to, to balance that as a leader and also, you know, roll up. I have to roll up a forecast to our board and our, my CEO and deal reviews, all of that. That's, that's your day in the life of really just balancing. I think we're doing a good job of scaring some people away of being a leader, <laughs> which isn't a bad thing. I think there are a lot of people that need to realize, but also to reassure them that it's not a bad thing. Like not becoming a manager isn't a negative situation. There is so much more success. I've seen so many sales people transition to sales leadership. It's not for them. They hate it. They end up mm -hmm. either losing the job or getting stressed and, you know, all of that can be avoided when there are great people like you, Michelle, that are able to kind of coach them and guide them to avoid those sort of choices, but maybe even just a bit of self-reflection and, and just sort of really trying to understand the options you have. Sales leadership isn't the only pathway for success in sales. There are so many different avenues that you can go down to be successful. And maybe it's just not the right time. Maybe another yeah. five years, 10 years, then you'll get to a point where it could be the right. There really, there is no set path with this. There is no uh, framework that applies to everyone. You know, we're each different. I think it's important for you to look at your peer that was promoted to a manager, what they did to get there, what were some of the traits that they had, um, and then self-identify if you have those or if those are something that you want to pick up on or be coached on and set, set that goal for yourself. In another year, you want to be an inside sales manager. In another year, you want nothing to do with it, but you want to be on an enterprise team. Like that's how I encourage people to think about just overall career growth and figure out, you know, how do you get there and have those conversations with your leaders. And I guess maybe understanding what really motivates you. I mean, if mm -hmm. it really is money, then staying in sales staying is probably in sales. the yeah, biggest pathway. But if you are motivated, maybe by leadership, maybe you're motivated by helping people and all of the qualities you've been talking about, then maybe management is uh, is the pathway to go. We've had a good question, uh, and I've lost it now. Uh, here it is from Donna, compensation best practices. So as a sales leader, you're in this role, whether you've transitioned or not, what are some of your top tips for creating good compensation plans and in, in, you know incentive structures for your sales teams? Good question. Just finished that um, two weeks ago with my team. <laughs> Figuring out incentives that create the right behavior. For example, if you That's want more new logos and you want to increase your ACV, put 
a new logo bonus or something that is incentivizing new logos, um, but then tie it into increasing ACV as well. If you want more annuals, annual contracts, incentivize them to close X amount of annual contracts by this date and you get a, a bigger bonus than if you just staggered them across the year. Um, higher velocity, you could create an incentive around um, you know, decreasing your sales cycle and you get, you know, 3K. It's all about the behavior and then take a look at it and see if they can game it. And you don't want them, you, you kind of want them to game it. You want your team to make as much money as possible, but you want, you don't want them to sandbag deals into the next quarter. So how can we get as much upfront as possible in this quarter? So when the quarter restarts there, again, they're looking at those incentives and those goals to get those extra bonuses and attainment and, um, yeah, so we can all all win together. So another another complex part of being a sales leader is having to try and create something that ticks a lot of different boxes. But you're absolutely mm-hmm. right. Michelle. Looking at that big picture and trying to think of all the different ways it's going to ultimately deliver an outcome and not just, I guess, incentivize an activity. You don't just want yourself people making calls and doing demos. You want them yeah, to you want them to make money. And I also find. I I like to call them my champions on the team. So I have a few champion reps who I show them and I get their feedback and they will tear it apart and they'll find the loopholes because I'm not in the role. I'm not in the seat. So I'm not in their day to day. And they're like, well, if I do this and I'm going to hold my deal until Q4, because in Q4, your accelerators are higher. It's like, oh yeah. Okay. And once that, once we make the changes, my champions suggest my champions get behind the complaint when we roll it out to the, the broader team. And, and when there's complaining, there's always going to be complaining. The champions are like, no, 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 this works out. It's good. And this is how you can make your money. See, and that in itself is such a powerful leadership lesson. Have your champions that can help you embed new things. These are the people mm-hmm. you want by your side. I absolutely love that. We're a really good question that come through. I, I'm going to ask one very quickly because it kind of, uh, flows from what we were just talking about but we're going to get to, to, to Ivan's question in just a second I don't know if you've experienced this personally Michelle I know I have how how can you make the transition smooth if you are part of a team and then you're suddenly going to become that team's leader so if you were an AE or you were in some sales position alongside mm-hmm. those salespeople you get the promotion you know you earn that opportunity but now you've got all these people that saw you as their colleague. Maybe you were friends. Maybe you used to go out socializing. Now you're the boss. What does that process look like? Is it something you've experienced? Every time I've been promoted, it's super hard. Um, and I think the, the hardest part for me was to take a step back from the social aspect because in sales, you know, at the end of the month, end of the quarter, we'd all go out and celebrate. And um, I had to not remove myself, but, you know, the team can stay out until midnight and I'll just go hang with them for an hour and then go home. Um, That was probably the hardest part. And I think you develop more respect when you do that because they need to see you be the first one at on the calls the next morning and setting the tone for the next day. Um, But for my peers that I was really close with, I just had really candid conversations with them. Like, listen, um, how do you like to be coached? How do you want this to work? How can I help you? 
what, like, where do you want to go in your career and how can I help you get there? And, um, those are very, like still very close friends of mine and help them get their next roles, help them move on to a different role outside of the organization and, um, just provided guidance. And, uh, you get on a, you, you get on their level by listening and learning about them more at, not necessarily as, um, a peer, but how you can help them. And you continue those friendships, I think. I like it's that. not easy get, though. <laughs> really isn't. Uh, I like that though. Get behind them. Show them that you want to help them. This isn't about you being the boss, but you're kind of there yep. to try to get the most out of them. I mean, Michelle, I'll give you, I got my first sort of sales leadership role quite early when I was younger, and so you know, this is early twenties where everyone was going out, and it was probably one of the most difficult things. Like you, you ultimately make a choice: do you want a career, or you know. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say social life, but that, that is right. the other choice. And it can be quite a lonely place when you are the person who has to go home early and kind of create that line that you have to kind of stick to. Obviously, that is a choice you can make. Maybe that's not the choice you want to make. Again, there's no right or wrong, but it mm-hmm. is a choice. And there are positives and negatives to that choice. And it's, it's definitely not easy. And then, again, you've got to earn a different type of respect from your team. They might respect you as someone successful alongside them, but when you're the boss, that's a different dynamic. And that's a whole different relationship to kind of forge. But you are yeah. right. stand behind your team and it's not impossible. It's not, you know, the worst thing in the world. If you are driven to be a successful leader, then it shouldn't take them too long to realize that your success is defined by their success. And so you're going to be driven to make them succeed as much as possible. Exactly. Exactly. And you want to lead by example. That's, that's my thing. Exactly. They don't want to see you hiding behind a desk, doing nothing all day, uh, (laughs) working alongside them. Okay. I had a really good question. I I really like this because I think we can get some really good advice going out, although it kind of blocks you now a little bit, Michelle. So apologies for that. It's a big question. Um, So I've always been a performer, uh, although my career in sales and I'm uh, having full faith that the team believes in me. Our sales head resigned a few days ago and I want to convince our CEO to hire me for the position, putting in mind I've been in the company for around five years. What can I do? Michelle, what would be some of your advice? Five years is a long time. So you probably know, or I hope you know, the, the ins and outs of what works, what doesn't work and how you can positively impact the revenue across the team. So take a look at the leader that resigned. What were their really good qualities? What were their bad qualities? Where are the weaknesses on your team? Um, How can you improve improve those weaknesses? What would you change? What wouldn't you change? And um, lay it all out how you would, you know, continue. I don't know where you are from a quota or, or revenue attainment or whatever it is, but how can you, for example, a 3X of business, how can you help them um, hit their revenue targets? How can you help them hit their recruiting targets and, and all of the goals across the board and come up with a plan for each one? Uh, whatever your CEO is really passionate about with the business. I know for us, our CEO, we have specific KPIs that we talk about every single week. So how can you positively impact those KPIs? Um, just a, as an example and come up with a plan. I think, you know, your CEO, depending on the size of the organization, should give you a shot at least to hear to hear you out. But think about how you can um, make moves. I like that. Basically creating and building a business case, just mm-hmm. answering the questions they're going to ask before they have to ask right. them, which is 
kind of going back to what you were saying before, you want your top performers to do things before you actually have to ask them to do things. Take initiative, you know, take ownership, really show that you could do this role and, you know, reassure you basically that you've got kind of the right ingredients to do so exactly that helps it was kind of good to have a real tactical question and uh, you'll have to keep us posted uh Iman, as to uh how that comes together yeah. and, and whether that was uh whether that was helpful i think we're maybe five minutes from the uh the sort of time on today's session so if you've got any final questions pop them in um in the, the chat box thinking about this topic michelle what if you've been in sales for a long time, I guess that's probably the other question, really, whether you're a top performer. What if you're not the top performer, but you've been in sales for a long time? Maybe you're consistent. You know, you might not be top of the charts. Mm-hmm. Do you stand a chance of being the leader? I mean, do you have to be the top performer to be in with a chance? Or are there other things you could show, even if you haven't been number one, that could still make yeah. you uh, a candidate? That is tricky. So... Would you want to be coached and led by someone who didn't consistently hit goal? <laughs> oh, it's so brutally honest, but also very, very true. Yeah, I think you. It's it's one. It's hard to go from peer to a leader, but if your team doesn't have the confidence in you right off the bat, then why am I going to listen to your coaching advice or your you know one on one or one on ones? That's just me personally. Um, I think you should be at least, you know, the the organization should have specific quota attainment goals before you even can raise your hand to interview for the role. Uh, I think there's a really good point and a very fair point to say. And sometimes you kind of have to be brutally honest with yourself. And, you know, there are some realities to these things. You, You can't expect someone to listen to you if you haven't done what they do and, you know, achieved uh, achieved what they've achieved. Right now, we've got tons of questions coming through. So, try and get one or two of these in before we finish. Uh, Beverly's got a good question. How do I keep my colleague motivated? I'm top sales rep and have been asked to take a leadership role to support the rest of the team. What questions should I ask to find out what's holding them back? I love this question. That's a great question. Um, what? Why? At, just start with. I like to ask open-ended questions to figure out why are they in sales? Why do they come in every day? I mean, sales isn't easy. So what are you working for? Um, And managing younger reps for majority of my career, it was, I want to buy an engagement ring or I want to buy my first BMW or whatever. I want to buy my first house and identifying that and, helping them back into okay how do we get you there you need 25k okay well let's look at your numbers let's look at your pipeline let's look at how we can get your you know commission checks increased and come up with a plan together um it's just identifying like why they get up every single day and asking them some questions or trying to dig deeper and then holding that carrot in front of them um for me, like, for example, for me, it's my boys. I, I want to lead by example and tell them, you know, my, my son, uh, like two years ago said, oh, well, mama's really good at doing laundry. She's really good at doing the dishes. I was like, mama <laughs> does a lot of other things than that. So I want to prove to them that, um, you know, a, a female can be a, a great leader in sales. So that's my motivation. So just 
figuring that out and asking those questions. Yeah. And again, look, this is the same as sales. Ask the questions, listen, let them talk. Don't assume mm-hmm. you know what they're going to say. Don't, don't answer for them. Let them open up, give them total time and freedom to really yep. tell you how they want to be led and what motivates them because kind of can be the game changer that can be the difference between effective leadership and and, but it's the same in sales if you don't talk and you know listen to your customers and let them tell you what they want you're never going to be able to solve their problems so right so much transferable stuff but also so many things that you know are worth thinking about if you are working in sales and you think you want to be a leader maybe have a real deep think and try and have some honest conversations you know try not to be over sort of excited or or let ego become a part of it Mm -hmm. try and really be open-minded and say right okay let's be really brutal let's look at this all cards on the table and let's see if this is the right thing maybe you can have that with someone internally maybe look to your network or people you know um, to try and have that conversation being a leader isn't the only way to be successful there are lots of great options you need to find what's best for you for you exactly which i think wraps us up really nicely so michelle awesome. I, I honestly truly love speaking to you i think you've got such an amazing viewpoint on leadership and sales uh which i know has given a ton of value to everyone watching this today so thank you so much for sharing it i'm going to be nagging the team at Dooley to try and get you back on again i think there are so many topics we could talk about and lots of different areas that would be a lot of fun and a lot of value so thank you for for sharing some of your valuable time and sharing tons of great insights to the team hopefully we can get you back again soon absolutely i love it thanks for having me Welcome, and thank you to everyone who's watched this. Uh, to everyone, do go and check out Dooley. Dooley is such a, an amazing tool and platform. Um, really helps your sales team have more time to do the things we want them to do, which is selling. So do go and check out Dooley as well. And any questions, feel free to connect with Michelle or some of the amazing team. You would have seen a lot of them commenting. Sam, Dan, um, lots of great people working there. So do check out Dooley. Do get in touch. If you have any questions, you can get in touch with us as well. And we look forward to seeing you back for another live very soon. See you later. Thanks for listening to The Revenue Playbook. For more sales playbooks, head over to dooley.ai.